0: Boomers are apparently snapping up every ounce of gold that their favorite retailer, Costco, will sell to them, while everyone's favorite Nobel Prize-winning economist Paul Krugman coins another whopper, and Bitcoin is off like a shot as October officially kicks off. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 4th, 2023, and that means two things. It is DCA Wednesday, and it is officially the first episode of Uptober. As I alluded to in the intro, for those of you who don't know, October has earned the nickname Up-to- Uptober because of its historically bullish action. Obviously, the whole past performance is no guarantee of future results thing applies, and of course, history doesn't always repeat. But so far, only four days into October, and Bitcoin is already up 5.5% for the week. Once again, it is a major Bitcoin conference week, and it seems like the usual lull in podcast content is rearing its ugly head because, well, quite frankly, everybody but me is partying in Los Angeles. I will not be at Pacific Bitcoin. And I'm not boycotting the conference. I would absolutely love to be at Pacific Bitcoin. But every time I contemplate going all the way out to Los Angeles, at least, I realize it's going to cost me a minimum of 10 million sats, probably more like 20 million sats to get there. And quite frankly, I don't have a big enough stack to justify that yet. If I have a couple thousand dollars to spend on going to Los Angeles to party with a bunch of plebs, uh, I would just rather put that into sats. I know there's an awful lot of you that feel the same way, and so hopefully, uh, this podcast will uh, will let you know that you're not alone, and will uh, maybe, you know, help you live vicariously. We can listen to the podcasts and the and 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 watch the videos that come from that come from Santa Barbara, or from Los Angeles, and uh, and well while we might wish that we were there resting in the knowledge that we're going to have more sats and not fewer sats when this week is over at least will make uh at least makes up for it in my mind at the time of this recording we are sitting at a block height of 810,661 and that means we are just 29,339 blocks from El Salvador's very first having as you recall you know, El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal currency two years ago, more than two years ago, but Bitcoin's halving occurs once every four years, which means the average Salvadoran has not yet witnessed the well, they may have witnessed or they may have paid attention to the bull run, the epic four-year halving bull run, but they haven't been Bitcoiners necessarily. Maybe maybe those in, you know, El Zonte and Bitcoin Beach have, but the average Salvadoran has not been involved in Bitcoin for a full cycle yet, and other countries are watching, you know, when Bitcoin goes on its face-melting post-bull-run tear, post-having bull-run, post-bull-run post-having bull-run tear, and start setting those new all-time highs, you know, if history repeats or even rhymes, and we have no reason to believe that it won't, uh, other people in other countries are going to sit up and notice they're already paying attention. You know, El Salvador, El Salvador is under the microscope, not just by the NGOs, not just by the World Bank, you know, the World Economic Forum and, you know, fiat powerhouses like the United States and Europe. Uh, Other countries are watching diligently. And don't be surprised when you see nation state FOMO uh, when El Salvador's experiment is vindicated. And I firmly believe it will be. Along those lines, there are only 1,495,862 Bitcoin left to be mined. And the longer the SEC, the longer Gary Gensler drags his feet and delays Spotcoin Bitcoin ETFs, the longer nation states drag their feet in adopting Bitcoin, the longer big Wall Street money stays out of Bitcoin, the better because the more of those 1.4, almost 1.5 million Satoshis, Plebs are going to have the ability to snap up. After the halving, the supply of new Bitcoin coming to the market from commercial miners, of course, is going to be cut in half. And when Wall Street finally decides to fill their bags, that means there will be less Bitcoin for them you know, to, to hoover up. Uh, that means they will have to pay you whatever price you are willing to sell them their Bitcoin when that time comes. And, oh boy... You know, if you think you have FOMO bad, wait till you see that. Not just nation state FOMO, but Wall Street FOMO. I firmly believe that is coming. I'm not, I've never been one of those this kind of, this time is different guys. I firmly believe that the having uh, until it is done having, and, you know, in the year 2140, until there are no more halvings, until the last Bitcoin has been issued. uh, I firmly believe that the dynamics of supply and demand uh, do not go away. Bitcoin does not exist in 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 a quantum state, Bitcoin Bitcoin exists in our world, or at least as far as we perceive it. And the supply shock of cutting the available supply of Bitcoin uh, that is pouring onto the markets from the commercial miners, it gets cut in half every four years. And even though the half is smaller than the last half, half is still half. And you know some laws of physics, in this case, the law of supply and demand, which isn't really a law of physics. Some laws just don't seem to ever be broken. Back to the vital statistics. As I mentioned, today is Wednesday, October fourth, twenty twenty-three. We're still sitting at a block height of eight hundred ten thousand six hundred eleven, and Bitcoin is up quite a bit since last week, at a current U.S. dollar price of twenty-seven thousand seven hundred dollars. Again, that's up by the, more than five and a half percent since last DCA Wednesday. And that means it will currently cost you 3,600 and it will currently <laughs> it won't cost you. That means one filthy U.S. dollar will currently only purchase you 3,610 sats as opposed to the 3,797 sats you could have gotten for that fiat dollar just last week. As the price of Bitcoin goes up, the number of sats per dollar will go down uh, and, you know, 3,600, 3,700, 3,800 it's kind of tomato tomato at this point in time but that's because we're in this crab market we're in this accumulation phase it is not going to last forever as i said we're only 2000 correction 29337 blocks away from that having uh when that does that is traditionally kicked off uh you know the the next bull run and the new all-time high follows 6 months to a year after that Even if we only retake the, you know, the previous all time high of 69,000 US dollar per Bitcoin, that is a heck of a lot fewer sats per your US dollar than you can purchase right now. And are you going to be asking yourself, did I stack hard enough? Hopefully the answer is yes. Speaking of having, it's currently looking like that halving is going to occur on April 21st still. That number has stayed relatively consistent, so we're getting a lot closer. Either way, it looks like it's going to be approximately the middle to end of April of 2024. Uh, of course, that will occur at block 840,000, regardless of what day of the week it is. As you know, Bitcoin cuts the reward that miners receive for finding the next block in half every 210,000 blocks. And uh, this time that having reward is going to drop from six and a quarter Bitcoin to less than three and a quarter Bitcoin. Which is significant. I mean, three Bitcoin may not seem like a whole lot of money, but when those Bitcoin are worth 000, 000, one hundred thousand, two hundred thousand or a million dollars, that is a significant, you know, that's a significant chunk of change when you're talking every 10 minutes. And speaking of significant chunks of change, Bitcoin's market capitalization is ringing in at a whopping five hundred and forty point three billion u s. dollars up more than twenty six billion since last week as October is only just beginning. People like to call October up to October because historically it's been an up it's been an up month for Bitcoin. But when you do zoom out in the grand scheme of things, we are still in that crab market. Although at this point in time, you know, the, the trend usually starts to coast upwards ever so gently uh, until we get to that halving uh, last time. Of course, that didn't happen because we had that huge black swan event about a month before the halving as far as the uh, the thing that we're still not really allowed to talk about on certain platforms that, that resulted in a global economic lockdown and one of the most significant economic events to ever happen in global history. Maybe more short-lived than the Great Depression, but at least as, at least as, uh, at least as shocking, at least as dramatic in the short term. Oh, certainly as dramatic in the short term if you consider governments were able to tell everybody to just go home, that you know that you can't work. Sorry, you have to stay home. Sorry, your kids can't go to school. But I digress. Back to the vital statistics. For those of you who value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, for those of you rushing to Costco to convert your fiat to gold, for those of you. Peter shift clones out there it will currently cost you 15.2 ounces of gold to purchase just one bitcoin just under a full pound of gold to purchase just one bitcoin it is going to be sooner rather than later when we are referring to the cost of bitcoin in pounds and not ounces Uh, but for now you are not too late obviously you get bitcoin at the price you deserve and if you're a gold bug today that price is 15.2 ounces of gold for those of you who value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will purchase you 1,549 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. That is a heck of a lot of pizza. That is more than a pizza. That's I keep saying more than a pizza every day. It is one pizza every day for more than four years, for almost four and a quarter years uh, for just one Bitcoin. That is a lot of food security to think that your family could eat dinner every day for more than four years for just 100 million Satoshis. And speaking of TikTok next block, you know, last night the, the mempool was remarkably clear. Looking at it right now, it's almost exactly the same as it has been for the last two weeks. There's currently 54 blocks worth of transactions pending in Clark Moody's uh, Clark Moody's mempool. Last week, that was 57 blocks. Two weeks ago, that was also 54 blocks. But late last night, the mempool was remarkably close to getting clear. I mean, it, there were still about 20 blocks where the transaction's pending, but they were clearing out. They were clearing out fast and fees were dropping like a rock. Uh, currently, Clark Moody's fee estimator is recommending that if you want to guarantee your on-chain transaction is included in the next block, that you will need to pay a fee of 30 sats per V-byte. That is almost the same as last week when he was recommending 31 sats per V-byte. But the big change is... Last week, the minimum fee to even guarantee that your transaction will be mined within a week was six sats per vbyte. And right now, uh, Clark Moody's dashboard is estimating that a one sat per vbyte fee will be sufficient to guarantee your transaction is mined within a week. mempool.space is telling an almost identical story. They're recommending a 30 sat per vbyte transaction right now that a is $1.16 in US dollar terms. However, that's for a high priority transaction. Last night, two sat per vbytes uh, were. What uh, was there across their board recommendation for a high priority, a low priority, or a no priority transaction? So things are moving in the right direction. It appears that the ordinals transcriptions NFTs in general have just been falling off a cliff. Maybe we'll get into that more in a little bit. Obviously, this is a Bitcoin podcast, but you know things that bloat our mempool are pertinent to Bitcoin podcasts, even if they are S coins or uh, S coin projects. That transaction metric that you know I like to follow, Bitcoin's 24-hour on-chain transaction rate has continued to trend down. Last week, we were seeing a 4.03 transaction per second average. That was significantly lower than we'd seen in several months. And today, currently, right now, the 24-hour on-chain transaction rate is down to 3.37 transactions per second. So that is still uh, trending That is trending down, that is still trending towards the mempools will eventually clear. Uh, You know, obviously, with the spike in prices and the the spike in Bitcoin value today, uh, you would expect a little bit more on-chain activity. Uh, It was a Wednesday as opposed to the, you know, an afternoon, no less, as opposed to the middle of the night. But, you know, we do this podcast about the same time every Wednesday. And for the last three weeks in a row, at least, we've seen a significant downtrend in mempool bloat still a lot of transactions 3.7 transactions per second used to be considered a healthy amount of on-chain activity before taproot enabled the uh the ordinals and transcriptions fiasco but i digress speaking of on chain since we last spoke there was a difficulty adjustment that was a small adjustment upwards it looks like it got about four percent more difficult to mine the next block of bitcoin as you know the Bitcoin algorithm adjusts the difficulty to mine the next transaction, the next block, every 2016 blocks, with the goal of maintaining uh, a, a block issuance rate of one block every 10 minutes. Uh, so, about 229 blocks ago, that happened. We're 1,707, 87 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment. So that's, you know, that's that's really, really. We're we're just barely we've just barely begun the new difficulty epic. Uh, so it's too soon to tell whether we're whether looking at another increase or another decrease. Uh, currently it's looking like that's gonna happen whatever happens, whether it goes up or down, on uh, two weeks from Tuesday on October 17th. And both sources I'm looking at right now are estimating an an additional increase of 0.6 and 0.62% respectively. And that is because blocks are currently averaging nine minutes and 54 seconds. So just a little bit faster than that 10 minute goal, uh, and a full 10 seconds faster than before we had the difficulty adjustment when blocks were taking 10 minutes and four seconds. So if everything were to stay the same, it looks like they overshot with the difficulty adjustment. But again, it's too soon to tell a lot of things can happen in the next two weeks. You know, more hash rate can come online. Uh, Bitmain is touting their next generation AMP miner, which is going to be released in the first quarter of 2024, that apparently has a ten-fold increase in in efficiency. You know, the we'll see it when we believe it, but either way, newer, more powerful, more profitable miners are gonna be coming online. That will increase the network security, increase the hash rate, and lead to additional difficulty increases. And in the long term, just like the price of Bitcoin is up and to the right, if you if you zoom out far enough, Bitcoin's network hash rate has been trending up and to the right consistently as well. Obviously, there have been bear markets in Bitcoin price, and there have been times when hash rate pulls back temporarily. Uh, but overall, hash rate continues to increase as more people get into mining, more companies get into mining, and as miners get more powerful. You know, we kind of had a mining power plateau for a while. That Antminer S9, you know, it it was the you know the workhorse. Bitcoin miner for several years, you know. Then the uh, S19 and the S21s came out. The S19, I guess, kind of had some issues, uh, but now we have uh, another ant miner getting ready to roll out. And if it really is, you know, a a 10x in mining efficiency, uh, that will just be amazing because uh, that would do enough in and of itself to put that nail in the in the miner death spiral fud. Because even though the reward is getting cut in half, miners are positioned to to be bringing on new equipment that is that is more profitable. If 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 it's if the machines are just double the efficiency of the of the current machines that they're using, then then cutting the reward in half is a wash for them. And if they're more than double the efficiency, then miners become even more profitable despite the having. You know, a lot of things go into into the dynamics and calculations that commercial miners make, or even home miners. I mean, I know people out there running Antminer S9s. I know people out there running at minor s9s that are downrated so they draw less electricity and they're just using them as a hobby they're just using them as heaters in some cases there's people out there mining with blockstream jade wallets so there's a lot of reasons why people mine uh, every year as we get closer to the having the miner death spiral fud starts to rear its head i'm frankly surprised we haven't heard as much about it as we usually do but we're still you know six months away from the having so we shall see Real quick, I want to thank those of you listening to your favorite Podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain. Uh, As you know, Podcasting 2.0 is a way that you can listen to podcasts and help support your favorite podcasts using the value for value model where you can tip your favorite podcasts either on a minute per minute basis or by sending a boost, which is where uh, you send a tip on the Lightning Network and, and a message as well. We do not have any of those to read this week, but thank you to those of us, thank you to those of you who have been supporting the podcast. And speaking of those of you listening to the podcast, our geographic distribution of listeners remains unchanged again this week. Our top ten countries remain as follows. Most of you, number one, are listening from the United States of America, so thank you to those of you listening from the United States. Number two remains Argentina, so muchos gracias amigos in Argentina. Number three remains Germany, so danke schön, mein friends in Deutschland. Number four remains Luxembourg, again danke schön or moriën to those of you in Luxembourg. Number five remains Canada, so thank you to those of you listening in Canada. Number six remains Spain. Again, muchas gracias, amigos. Number seven remains Colombia. Once again, muchas gracias. Number eight remains Sweden. Thank you to those of you listening in Sweden. Number nine remains Singapore. Hello, and thank you to everyone in Singapore. And number 10 remains Venezuela. So once again, muchas gracias, amigos in Venezuela. And thank you to those of you, regardless of where you're listening to, if you're not in one of the top 10 most populous top 10 most popular countries, uh, by ranking of our listenership, that doesn't make you any less or any more important, uh, that those are just statistics. And, uh, while they're fun to look at, I value each and every one of you, regardless of where you're listening. Uh, I can scroll down and see, uh, the, the other countries where people are listening from, for example, number 11 is Mexico, but, uh, We pretty much have listeners in almost every country you can think of. So regardless of where you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You are the reason I'm doing this. Uh, I would be growing my stack whether or not I had a podcast, whether or not I was doing a DCA Wednesday series. The reason I'm writing it down, the reason I'm hitting record, the reason I'm talking into a microphone uh, is because I want to not only help orange pill new people, but I want to help, particularly during the crab market, I want to help encourage Encourage you to have that strong hand. Back in the day, you know, Adam Meister, who I've referred to all the time, used to do his one Bitcoin show, and he did that show every day with a this weekend Bitcoin, you know, show on the weekends instead. Uh and you know, sometimes he didn't have a whole lot to say other than, you know, keep that strong hand and keep that long-term thinking, and you know, we're just one day closer to the new all-time high. And even though we're getting closer to the having, and even though we're getting close to that light at the end of the tunnel, sometimes the, the longer the crab market goes on, even though you're, even though you're closer to the having, even though you're closer to the next bull run, it gets a little harder. And that's why when there are weeks like big conference weeks where there are, are less podcasts out there, there's less podcast content, uh, for people to listen to, I I double down on my efforts to make sure that I have something out there for you to listen to. Because as Adam Meister says, we are one day closer to the new all time high. I firmly believe that. As Andreas Antonopoulos used to say all the time, "Tic Tac, next block." Uh, we need more Adams and we need more Andreases out there, and I don't even come close to filling those shoes. Uh, but I do my best every day, at least, uh, to 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 put out the best content I possibly can. Real quick, on to the news. This is going to seem a little dark. Most of the things I have to highlight might be negative, depending on how you look at them. But I I want you to look at everything in a positive aspect, because regardless of how bad the news might seem, in the long run, all of these things are good for Bitcoin. You know, they, as they say, things are always darkest before the dawn. Uh, you cannot You cannot reap a reward without at least putting in that effort Nothing comes for free, Um, but you're being lied to. And I I mentioned this in the I mentioned I alluded to this in the lead in where I mentioned that Paul Krugman coined another whopper last week when he tweeted long term transitory, claiming victory in his prognostication that inflation was simply a transitory nuisance, that, you know, all this inflation was really nothing. It's it's done. It's over with. Uh, When he said it was transitory, what he really meant was long term transitory. But ha ha inflation's gone. And he was right. They are trying to sell the lie that the economy is robust. They're trying to sell the lie that inflation is coming down and they're trying to sell the lie that a lower inflation print means that things are getting cheaper. They are trying to sell the lie that debt doesn't matter. Fiat is collapsing. Your money is worth less. The economy is in shambles. Rome is burning and Nero's fiddling. And Paul Krugman's coming out with whoppers like long-term transitory. You know, we knew this was going to happen. This is one of the reasons why you're a Bitcoiner. You know that fiat eventually crumbles, that no global reserve currency lasts forever. And, you know, Bitcoin was created because of the previous financial crisis, the 2008 financial crisis. It's hard-coded in the Genesis block. Uh, This is what Bitcoin is for. I've mentioned repeatedly that you know, that there are three types of lies. It was Mark Twain that said there are three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Uh, It's gotten so bad now. Every poll you, every poll you look at, every poll they run says that in the United States and in most countries, trust in government is at an all-time low. And that number goes down surprisingly, shockingly, just when you thought you hit bottom every time they run a poll, fewer and fewer people trust government. And I believe we're at the point where the government knows they're lying, they know that you know they're lying and they just keep lying anyway because uh, because they can. The media will report whatever they say. They'll go to their cocktail parties and it will be business as usual for them because they don't care about you. They know that they're not in any danger of being thrown out of office. They know that there's not going to be a revolution in this country, at least not anytime soon. Uh, maybe one or two of them will lose their jobs like we just saw Kevin McCarthy get removed from Speaker of the House the other day. But... While they can lie about any number of official statistics, they cannot lie about your grocery bill, they cannot lie about your rent, or in this case, they can't lie about corporate profits. And one of the biggest, most stalwart companies in the world, the Walt Disney Company, they've been steadily increasing their prices, they've been charging more for their theme park admissions, they've been charging more for their streaming services. Uh, It seems like they were full speed ahead in in increasing prices everywhere they can. And they, you know, Jerome Powell hasn't pivot, but we have officially seen the Disney pivot with the headline. Disney is discounting child tickets at U.S. parks as industry attendance lags. MSN is reporting the price cuts come as the U.S. as the company's U.S.-based theme parks have seen a slowdown in attendance and hotel room occupancy as consumers face higher costs due to inflation. The article goes on to say that uh, Disney is not the only company facing these issues. Universal's domestic parks, as well as regional players like Six Flags and SeaWorld have reported lower attendance this year. When people are spending every penny they have just to buy groceries, just to put gas in their car and just to pay their mortgage or their rent, they don't have the money to go to, to, to Disney or Six Flags or SeaWorld. Obviously, um, it looks like the stock market is up. It looks like corporate earnings are up because these are lagging statistics. Everybody looks at the price-to-earning ratios of stocks, and I don't I don't care what Disney's price-to-earning ratio is. It's something obscene. Uh, it used to be back in the day a 4-to-1 price-to-earning ratio was considered healthy. Then a 10-to-1 price-to-earning ratio was considered healthy. And now a 30-to-1 price-to-earnings ratio is fairly common, and, and it gets even worse from there. But that price-to-earning ratio is based on earnings, When companies start losing money, their price to earning ratio goes to N.A. And we're starting to see that with Disney. And it's not just the go woke, go broke thing. You know, there's been a lot of that. People wanting to boycott Disney for this, that or the other reason. Other companies that they're boycotting because uh, of their ESG and woke stances they've been taking. Disney has seemed pretty much immune to that because uh, everybody's. You know, everybody, everybody goes to Disney, it seems like wherever you are in the world. That's one of the things you notice when you go to Disney World or Disneyland is that the 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 people at Disney World that day are truly an international uh, an international group. Uh, you hear almost every language you could think of being spoken at Disney when you go there. You know, the old uh, the old line. Hey, so-and-so, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do now? I'm going to Disneyland, was almost as American as baseball and apple pie. And so when Disney theme park is lagging, that shows you in an unequivocal way, in a way that Paul Krugman and the New York Times cannot lie and massage and say uh, is not happening because if people aren't buying tickets, if people aren't going through the turnstiles, if people aren't riding the rides, uh, they can fudge the numbers all they want, but they can't fudge corporate profits. At least they can't with, uh, with, with, without bailouts and without, uh, you know, almost free money, which we're not going to see anymore since interest rates are so high. At least we'll see a heck of a lot less of it. Along those lines, also, as I mentioned, consumers get it and they are flocking to safe havens, making the headlines almost everywhere you looked earlier this week was Costco selling, not only selling, but selling out of gold bars. Have you ever been to a Costco? I have in at least five different states, probably more like six different states. They are all the same, regardless of where you are, regardless of what Costco you walk into. The layout is the same and the clientele is the same. And the overwhelming majority of their customers are boomers. When you go into Costco, unless you're a boomer, almost everyone there is going to be older than you. And what do boomers flock to when the feces hits the oscillating air circulation device? They flock to gold. One day, perhaps very soon, that will be digital gold but right now, boomers, dinosaurs, they still trust gold. And this, this is the sort of evidence that regardless of what they're telling you on the media should be a gigantic red flag. When Costco starts selling gold bars and they can't keep them in stock, that is a major indicator that the people get it, that the people are flocking to safe havens obviously boomers are usually the first to feel the pinch or at least they're the first to worry about an incoming pinch because most of them or many of them are on fixed incomes when you think of boomers that term can apply to pretty much anybody with gray hair nowadays but in general it's referring to the baby boomer generation and most of them are retired are retired now they're on pensions or living off their you know their investments or social security and if you're living on a fixed amount of money per month if inflation is going through the roof you know, if you have $2,000 a month for your budget and the cost of groceries per week goes up from 100 to $200, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to spend $2,400 this month. You don't have it. You only have your $2,000. So you need to make adjustments. And, and that is when people start worrying. But just because they see it or feel it first doesn't mean it isn't coming for all of us. And when it does, Bitcoin is there waiting. Of course, you know that. You've already taken the orange pill. You are a Bitcoiner or at least you're Bitcoin curious if you're listening to this podcast. What's really amusing though is that the mainstream financial media is absolutely freaking out over this. One of the more entertaining articles I saw was on uh, was on Yahoo Finance. It was actually a bankrate.com article and it was entitled, Why Gold at Costco is a Terrible Investment and What to Buy Instead. And the thesis of the article isn't that Costco is ripping you off. To the contrary, they talk about how everything at Costco is a good deal. That they don't—they aren't going to scam you. That that you know, it's a great buying experience in general. But what they do say is that while um, they well, first of all, they start off by disparaging the product. They say while much of the financial press is using the term "bar" to describe the gold, the word conjures images of Hollywood capers with brick-sized hunks of the shiny stuff. Ingot might be the better term there, here. For the price of nearly $2,000, you're buying all of one ounce of gold, fitting easily in your hand. So they first start by uh, by trying to tar and feather Costco Costco for selling, it's not really gold, bars. These bars are only an ounce. Ha ha ha. That's almost nothing. It's pittance. It's not even worth your time. You know, they're trying to frame the argument before they even get into their three reasons why buying gold is a bad idea. They continue. They, and they give Costco their due here. They say, but despite the solid buying experience, gold is a bad investment for a variety of key reasons. Uh, I'm inter- interjecting here. I'm having a hard time arguing with them here because I think you should buy Bitcoin. I'm I'm not a gold bug. Uh, the only gold I have is, is, you know, collectibles, jewelry, maybe an old coin that I got a long time ago kind of thing. I do not invest in gold. I invest in Bitcoin. I think that Bitcoin is... It's everything gold is and more. If gold was a good investment, Bitcoin is infinitely better. Uh, You know, that's the way I feel if you're listening to this podcast. But I'm defending it because of the way the media is mocking it. Uh, And, you know, gold is a tried and true store of value. Uh, You know, if there weren't Bitcoin, if Bitcoin had not been discovered, if Bitcoin didn't exist, uh, maybe gold would be the way to go. I digress. Their article continues. Uh, I'll back up here. But despite the solid buying experience, gold is a bad investment for a variety of reasons. One, it can be impossible to get fair value. Two, gold has lackluster returns over time. And three, you have to keep gold safe. So now they're starting to sound a little bit, a little bit like a Bitcoiner. You know, I was talking about the uh, the podcast that Marty Bent did Uh, A couple of days ago, where he had uh, an old gold bug on, and the gold bug was trying to say that he could take his one ounce gold sovereign and anywhere in the world he can get a hotel room and a meal for it. And I said, Bullshisa. That is not only that, not only is that not true, uh, it is the it is probably the worst deal in the world if you can pull it off because, like the article points out, it is impossible to get fair value. If you buy gold coins, you're going to pay more than the fair market value of gold, and when you go sell that gold, you're going to get less than the fair market for it. And if you're trying to barter that one ounce gold coin for a hotel room or for a hamburger, you're going to have to find someone who accepts it. To accept it and that means they're going to give you significantly less than it's worth to make it worth their time to buy that gold from you their point two gold has lackluster returns over time that's kind of funny because gold bugs have never said you're going to get rich buying gold at least the genuine, the ones that aren't disingenuous don't you know maybe peter schiff implies that you're going to 40x your investment but most gold bugs tell you that gold has held its value over time it doesn't really have a return so that is gold's claim to fame so two is kind of a moot point yeah it has a lackluster return over time that's not why the boomers are jumping into it they're jumping into it because their their dollars are becoming worthless and they're hoping the gold will at least you know at least keep them on par at least at least it's like a bookmark it'll hold their place in line for them three you have to keep gold safe now this goes to the heart of why we say bitcoin is a better investment than gold because Gold isn't very portable. It's not very divisible. And you do have to get it safe. Keep it safe. It is a lot easier for someone to break in your house when you're not here and find your safe or the gold in your sock door and walk away with it than it is to steal your Bitcoin. You know, they can stick a gun to your head and make you hand over your gold. Uh, That's a lot more difficult uh, with Bitcoin. Obviously, the five dollar wrench attack still applies to Bitcoin, but there are many reasons why gold is less, uh, is less portable. You know, the, the stories you hear time and time again about refugees fleeing across an international border and anything they have on them, of value, whether it's paper currency, whether it's diamonds, whether it's gold, sometimes even the clothes they're wearing are stolen from them by border guards and thieves along the way. Um, but the same thing applies to the U S currency. If you have a hundred thousand dollars in your sock door and the burglar breaks into your house, it's gone just as fast as the gold is. So, um, Those are three great arguments for why you should invest in Bitcoin instead of gold. There are not three great reasons why fiat is better than gold, because you certainly aren't going to get your fair value for fiat, because it depreciates even under the best of circumstances. The Federal Reserve's gold is for your dollar to get 2% less valuable every single year. As far as gold's lackluster returns over time, well, your fiat has had a negative return, negative return always over time. It's lost 98% of its value since 1913 when the Federal Reserve was founded, and they intend it to continue to do so. And three, you have to keep your fiat safe. Your bank account gets hacked. Money in your in your sock drawer and your safe can get stolen. Those are arguments why you should be buying Bitcoin, not arguments why you should why you shouldn't be buying gold, or at least not arguments why you should be not buying gold and keeping your money in fiat. There was another incidental anecdote that I wanted to talk about, and I don't even remember where I saw this, but somebody had posted basically that. Um, it was a they they were a they were an anti gold bug they were also an anti bitcoiner and they were talking about how uh basically paper killed gold and uh i was thinking it is the exact opposite that you know paper didn't kill gold gold created paper gold's killer use case was sitting in a vault gold's the reason we have fiat currencies the magic bullet of the of the gold standard its natural progression was the fiat standard because because of all the problems with portability and fungibility and divisibility um, uh, uh, you know of of gold, that people only use gold basically as, you know they as a deposit, as a reserve asset in a safe. It's easier to keep your gold in a in a vault and use a paper IOU. And that's what the US dollar was before we completely abandoned the even the pretense that our gold that our that our dollars are backed by gold and went off the gold standard once and for all in 1971 a lot of these same arguments or worries are brought up with bitcoin people saying that as wall street enters the bitcoin race as these when these etfs get get approved it will be easier for people to just buy paper bitcoin than than to actually buy the underlying asset and to some extent some of that is true and there are certain investment situations where people are required to use you know custodians and things like that when we're talking about pension funds or endowments where uh, it's where they're required to own bonds and 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 things like that but the average person the average hodler will know the difference bitcoin is a lot easier to use it's a lot more portable and it's a lot easier to secure than gold so people are far more likely to use gold and not are far more likely to use Bitcoin and not put it in the vault and use paper I use like they do with gold, because despite the fact people consider it difficult to use now, it is infinitely easier to use than gold, and that use will get even easier. You know, we're still new, Bitcoin's only 13 years old. It took the internet 40 years to get to where we are right now. The, the user experience, the user interface is only going to improve with time. So um, uh, but even if they don't, even if they don't improve any more than what we currently have Uh, all we have basically is a small learning curve and that learning curve is going away and it's not going away because the boomers are learning how to use treasures or ledgers it's going away because as they say uh you know one funeral at a time not to be not to be glum about it but the kids that are born today are born into a world where they've never known a world where bitcoin didn't exist kids are born with an ipad or an iphone in their hand uh the even even the kids that were born 10 years ago, to some extent, are Bitcoin native. So even if the user experience doesn't improve, and technology always trends towards improved user experience, uh, Bitcoin's going to get not only easier to use, but, uh, you know, when I was younger, the old people, the boomers, were World War II veterans, and there were some, even some World War One veterans out there. And they, they just weren't going to use a computer, period. And it wasn't a matter of we've got to make the UX experience, you know, to the point where someone who was born in 1857 can use a computer. Uh, those people just went away. I mean, that's just the way of the world. Uh, to some extent, computers, yes, they got easier to use. You know, you carry a supercomputer around in your pocket now with your iPhone or your, your Android device. But a, a large chunk of that is just that the future generations are going to be Bitcoin native. Speaking of digital and speaking of Bitcoin and speaking of fiat, you've probably seen or at least heard about the latest Elon Musk dust up on Twitter. And this wasn't a post he made, but rather a reply to a post where the post was, quote, what's a scam that's so normalized we don't even realize it's a scam anymore? And Elon Musk simply replied with two words, fiat currency. Uh, And that led to all kinds of headlines, such as the one in Forbes yesterday that says Musk declares the US dollar a scam amid fears of a $33 trillion US death spiral as the Bitcoin price soars. Uh Elon Musk is a clown. He's smart enough that he should be a Bitcoiner. Maybe he is a Bitcoiner secretly, but I think above and beyond, above and above and beyond everything else, he's a billionaire and he's an egomaniac. Uh, and I have friends that are fairly wealthy and two. Uh, To a single one of them, all of them are no-coiners. And I've tried to orange pill them. Some of them are very close friends, and we talk about it all the time, and they still even mock me about Bitcoin. Uh, And the reason why is because they live a very good life. The U.S. dollar has been very good to them. If you're sitting on a 110-foot yacht and you've got a private helicopter that dropped you off there, and it's you know, and, and it, it can take you to any one of your vacation homes. You can purchase anything you want, any meal you want. You can go to all the most expensive restaurants in the world, all the hip, uh, all the hip events. You go to whatever you think, whatever your boat is, whether it's you know the Oscars or Burning Man. If if you could do any of the things you want to do, and 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 without a, even a second thought, it's just snap your fingers and it happens. You have no reason to embrace Bitcoin. Uh, Michael Saylor is a rare exception, and that is because he has gotten to the point where he has he has he he has envisioned his wealth as that giant ice cube as he likes to describe it and it and, it, and it's and it's melting. But I think Michael Saylor is a lot more humble than someone like Elon Musk. Elon Musk's defining personality is as the memer, as is, is, is the clown, right? So I think he derives most of his value in life from from teasing people. Uh, and so He's going to play with shit coins. He's going to play with Dogecoin. Uh, he's going to tweak people, but he doesn't need Bitcoin. Uh, he will continue to not need Bitcoin until kind of like the movie Mandibles, when it all comes down, it all comes collapsing suddenly, uh, like the grandfather, great-grandman or whatever the character's name was in the Mandibles getting evicted from his high-class nursing home because his dollar's is worthless. Uh, it's going to take something like that, I think, before Elon Musk sees it, sees the writing on the wall. Regardless of how smart he is, because the other thing about really, really super intelligent people is they tend to think that they are the smartest person in the room, and usually they are. but because they have that mindset, uh they' they they think they already know it all and they're and if someone else brings up something that's novel uh, or uh, new to them, they're easily they're it's easy for them to dismiss it because they figure they know better. Speaking of scams, it looks like the Ether world out there is continuing to collapse. As they say, all S-Coins eventually trend to zero when compared to Bitcoin. And that is definitely true for Ethereum right now. Business Insider posted this headline just a couple hours ago. Poor week for Ether prompts research firm to reverse outlook, advise favoring Bitcoin instead. As you may or may not know, Ethereum ETFs were approved just the other day. Yes, I'm sorry, Ethereum Futures ETFs were approved by the SEC just the other day. The SEC seems to be fine with with futures ETFs. They don't like the spot ETFs, but when they approved the Ethereum futures ETF, it was a massive nothing burger. As a result, Ether has dropped to its lowest price compared to Bitcoin since July of 2022. And the headline goes to say, as the launch of futures-based ETFs attract meager interest. The article continues, Ether dropped to its lowest price compared to Bitcoin since July 2022 as the launch of I'm repeating myself a bit here. As the launch of futures-based ETH ETFs attract meager interest from investors, expecting Ether to continue underforming K33 research advised to rotate back into Bitcoin. The Ether to Bitcoin price ratio dropped to a fresh 15-month low this week, confounding at least some who expected excitement around the Monday launch of futures-based ETH, ETH exchange-traded funds to generate buying interest. So, so much for the flippening, right? Uh, If you've been following Bitcoin any length of time, you know that Ethereum not only is an S coin, it's an S coin without a purpose. Regardless of what the most ardent ETH supporters will tell you, whatever use case they were telling for Ethereum is just the latest use case. You know, it started out uh, as a world computer, you know, it was going to be it was going to be a protocol that was going to run everything else. And then it became ultrasound money. Uh, they keep they've, they've completely scrapped Ethereum, the Ethereum code and, and 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 hard forked it. They have to fork Ethereum all the time anyway. But, you know, they went to proof of work. Uh, to, to, I'm sorry, to proof of stake from proof of work, which is a complete not just a not just a fork. That was a complete trash, the old code and complete start from scratch. One of the things that people like Michael Saylor say gives Bitcoin its value is they know you can't fork the code. No one's going to fork around and find out, so to speak. The fact that it's very hard to change Bitcoin, the fact that it has that 21 million hard cap, the fact that Bitcoin will be what Bitcoin is today, tomorrow and forever into the future is a significant portion of its price proposition, its value proposition. The fact that Ethereum has changed its value proposition at the drop of a hat multiple times. Uh, should have been a no-brainer to to uh, anyone watching, but apparently it was, and apparently the Ethereum ETFs were a huge flop. All right. So in my humble opinion, the silver lining to all of this came just yesterday with the ouster of U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy almost guaranteeing a government shutdown after their 45-day emergency spending extension expires next month, a lot of people are worried about a government shutdown. I spoke a little bit about this when the, when the government shutdown looked like it was looming before they came up with this interim deal. The best thing Congress can do for the American public right now is just go away for a while. We have enough laws. It's time for a break. Every time we have a government shutdown, the media tells you the world is ending. And when we had the big shutdown under Obama, he had the National Park Service go put chain link fences around open spaces. What would just be a green patch of grass with no park rangers, no snack bars, nothing to maintain, they fenced it off. Say, oh, sorry, this is the federal government. We're closed. He even tried to tr- to close the freaking ocean. The ocean surrounding the Florida Keys is the uh, it's the national uh, it's the Florida Keys Marine uh, Marine Reserve. It's a, it's a wildlife refuge. Basically, it's like a national park, underwater national park. And so he tried to say that the ocean was closed because of the government shutdown. It was completely retarded. The whole purpose was to try and make it look painful for the average person. If you went to go to Yellowstone National Park to see Old Faithful, sorry, it's closed because the government's shut down. Now, they're still going to keep spending money on you know uh, entitlements. Welfare checks still went out. Um, the military was still getting paid. Ultimately, every federal government employee got paid. I know people that were working for the Space Center that had basically a couple week vacation. And then when they finally passed the budget or the spending resolution, because it seems like we don't have budgets anymore, they got back pay. So basically, it was like a paid vacation on overtime. But they try and make it seem like the world is ending uh, because, you know, they're trying to they're trying to leverage public opinion to get their way. Uh, The whole reason the government's going to shut down is because one side wants to spend a boatload more money and one side wants to cut spending. Uh, In fact, even this, the reason Kevin McCarthy lost his job was because even this 40 day emergency spending extension gave the side that wanted to keep spending, uh, it gave them everything they wanted. He dropped every one of his spending cut demands. uh, And in fact, well, Kevin McCarthy is a Republican and he passed this with 100% of the Democrat support and only like seven Republicans because He dropped all the Republicans' demands, and so that's why the Republicans reared up and fired him. That is a big deal because that has never happened before in the history of the United States. It's only even been tried once before in 1910 when they tried to remove the Speaker uh, and the vote failed, and it didn't happen. Meanwhile, TikTok next block, Bitcoin continues to march on, and uh, we get one day closer to that next halving. I already spoke about how the, the mempools cleared out. I'm scrolling through my notes here real quick, and last night, At about, I don't know. It was late. I was having a hard time sleeping. There's a lot going on in my life right now uh, that has me very distracted. Uh, Most of it is not good. I've got some positive, positive things on the horizon as well, uh, but a lot of really bad things that I'm trying to deal with right now. And uh, I'm not. Not nobody needs to feel sorry for me. I'm not. I'm not looking for an excuse for stumbling over my words. But because of that, I was up in the middle of the night. And uh, at, uh, I don't even see what time I posted this, but. Uh, I'm looking at a screenshot from mempool.space where last night a a high-priority transaction would have cleared for $0.08, two sats per V-byte. A medium, a low, and a no-priority transaction would have all cleared for that two sat per V-byte, and the one sat per V-byte uh, was the minimum fee. And this gets into that huge bet that Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell have going on their Rabbit Hole Recap podcast, where Marty bet that that mempools will clear before the end of the year and that one sat provide transactions will begin to clear again. He came really close to winning that bet last night. Obviously, things got exciting again this afternoon, and the mempools are a little bit more full than they were in the middle of the night. But if this trend continues, if that 24-hour transaction rate trend that I've been pointing to every podcast when when we go into our statistics continues, we may have officially seen the end of the ordinal and transcription bloat. And that is a good thing. Eventually mempools, pardon me, eventually mempools will be full forever. Uh, they won't ever clear out again and it will get more tra- more expensive uh, to conduct transactions on chain. But some of that will be that even if you can uh, do a transaction for one sat per byte fee, when one sat is worth $1 because Bitcoin's worth $100 million a coin, you know, all of a sudden uh, those fees are very expensive uh, without the number of sats per V-byte having to increase to support the fee market. Just another reason why the Minor Death Spiral FUD is just FUD. All right, I've 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 yammered on for a really long time, and we haven't even gotten to why we're here. The reason we're here today is because, as I mentioned, today is Wednesday, and that means it is DCA Wednesday, and that means we need to grow our stack. What is DCA, you might ask? Well, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 115th stack. We chose an equal portion of $20 because I wanted to show that even if you are hurting, even if you aren't wealthy, even if you can just scrounge up as little as $20 a month, or sorry, twenty dollars a week. It's not too late for you to get into Bitcoin, and that it can eventually make a difference. And we chose our regular interval as weekly because that seems to be the most common interval for interval for dca Most people DCA when they get paid. So if you're you know if your paycheck comes every two weeks, then maybe you DCA every two weeks. Some people DCA every day. Uh, that is one of those you do you things. But the important part is that you're consistent. That you invest your money in. Equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. You don't not buy because Bitcoin's expensive, or you, you know, or because Bitcoin's cheap and you're waiting, waiting for it to become even cheaper. You just buy. As they say, time in the markets beats time in the markets every time it's tried. And since we've been doing this podcast, that has proved true. Again, we started stacking. 115 Wednesdays ago on July 28th, 2021. So far we've stacked 114 times. We've converted a total of $2,280 in dirty U.S. fiat, including $51.30 in fees, into almost 8 million sats. We have a stack of seven seven million nine hundred 7,919,109 sats. Again, if you're that person saying all I have is $20, is $20 a week not enough? Well, Is $2,280 a significant amount of money to have as savings? Are 7.9 million sats a significant amount of sats for you? That's a decision you're going to have to make. I would argue that we've proven, yes, even $20 a month is definitely worth your time. And we haven't even seen a new all-time high yet. You know, that that 7.9 million sats is going to be worth a heck of a lot more than $2,200 one day, in my humble opinion. By dollar cost averaging, we've accumulated that stack of sats at an average purchase price of $28,791.12. Had we YOLO'd in on July 28th, 2021, Bitcoin was worth $39,716 at the time, so that would be our average purchase price. Our, Our Bitcoin stash would be significantly underwater, and perhaps more importantly, we'd have more than 2 million fewer sats. For the money that we've invested. So to this point, as of today, DCAing has definitely beat lump sum investing hands down uh, in the experiment that, that we've run. You know, do your own research. Your results may vary, but if you had invested $20 a week as we did every Wednesday, uh for the last 114 Wednesdays, uh, you'd be sitting pretty right now. To continue to grow that stack, I'm once again going to do so with the Cash App. I like the Cash App. They are not a sponsor of the show. They are not the cheapest as far as investing fees go. They charge two and a quarter percent to purchase Bitcoin. But when you're only buying $20, that's going to work out to 45 cents. And they're going to let me transfer that Bitcoin to my hardware wallet for free. So despite the fact we're paying a little more of a fee, we're going to make up for it in, in not having to pay mining fees to move that to our hardware wallets. So I have Cash App open, I already have $20 there because uh, I was uh, putting some limit orders in last night. So tapping Bitcoin, tapping buy, entering $20, press and confirm, and boom, we just purchased another 70,330 sats. Uh, We didn't get quite as many sats as last week. Uh, we purchased for more than a thousand US dollars per Bitcoin more. So we got about 4,000 fewer sats. But still, that 7,330 sats is going to bring that stack up to 7,989,439 sats. We did not crack that 8 million sat mark. But, you know, unless the price of Bitcoin goes through the roof between now and next Wednesday, next week, our stack is going to push us over 8 million sats. Perhaps as importantly, this also lowered our average purchase price a tiny bit. We're getting closer to our average purchase price, so it didn't go down as much. But we knocked our purchase price down, our average cost price, our average cost basis down by another three dollars and twelve cents. So our average purchase price is now twenty-eight thousand seven hundred and eighty-eight U.S. dollars per Bitcoin, which will seem like peanuts one day when Bitcoin's 100000 hundred thousand, or two hundred thousand, or a million, or ten million, or even a billion. You know, heck. You know, there's people out there that have made crazier predictions. And when I first got involved in Bitcoin, if I had told you that Bitcoin was going to hit $20,000 this cycle, you would have said, no way. That is to the moon. If it ever does that, uh, that would just be amazing. Well, it did it. And then the next cycle, it hit 69,000. And if history repeats, we will set a new all-time high uh, sometime six months to a year after next April. And perhaps as importantly, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, if we had YOLO'd in, we'd only have, uh, we'd only have about $1,200 of the Bitcoin. As it is, that 7.9 million Bitcoin will be worth $79,894.39 if Bitcoin ever hits that 1 million mark. And if you are the sort of person that says, I only have $20 and I don't think that's a lot, I would challenge you to say that having an extra $79,000 in your reserve assets and your savings would not be a significant amount of money. Even if Bitcoin only hits $100,000, that would be $7,989.43. And considering every report you read says the average American has less than $500 in their savings, and it's getting worse, that savings is being whittled away by inflation, not only the the value of that $500, but people are having to tap their inflation just to pay their grocery bill, Uh, having an extra $7,989 would be significant to me. Again, that's a decision you have to make before we go. I want to reach out to you and ask you to follow us on Twitter. Our podcast, Twitter handle is at BTC bulletin Pod. Again, that's at BTC bulletin Pod. I'd love to hear what you have to think about the podcast. If you're following us on your favorite fountain on your favorite podcasting two point such as Fountain or Breeze, you know you can tell us what you think in the form of a boostergram, and that would be appreciated as well. But you don't have to tip us. You can DM us and let us know what you think. And if you don't use Twitter, we are on Noster. Our Noster NPub is in the show notes. It's also on our Twitter page. And if you don't use Twitter or Noster, you can tell me what you think by sending me an email. And that email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Again, that's bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. I was going to say, hopefully, you're having fun in Los Angeles and the, the festivities are kicking off for Pacific Bitcoin. But then again, hopefully you're not in Los Angeles and you're stacking sats instead of spending that money. That choice is yours. You do you. Uh, I'm here, I'm stacking, and I'm going to continue to stack this Wednesday and every Wednesday on our DCA Wednesday episodes uh, as we grow that stack till Bitcoin either goes to the moon, no one will sell us any more Bitcoin, or you know we're all sitting around in our citadels uh, swapping stories and reminiscing. Either way, until that time, Keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.